and we are on Master Key of Wisdom Chapter 5. So welcome Guardian Academy members, welcome Wolf Dead members, welcome Letter subscribers, welcome Grey Wolf readers. If you're not a Grey Wolf reader, go subscribe and read uh, because I'm writing that, but what we're talking about uh, today and the last four chapters is the source material. So uh, I spend a lot of time with Mike. Mike spends time with you guys, and I write about it. And we're working on building a unique, a truly unique, exclusive, kind of once-in-a-lifetime thing, series of experiences in Arizona. And if you stay to the end of the call, uh, you will get an invite to join us next month. Uh, we've It'll be similar to what we've done before, but this time we're going to a very special place for a very special occasion with some very special people. So stay tuned. Uh, we are on Chapter 5. Just a quick recap. Chapter 1 was Know Yourself. Chapter 2 was Choose the Correct. Uh, the Mudo Moral Compass, which you may know as the Grey Wolf Moral Compass, if you're reading the Grey Wolf. Chapter 3 is Overcoming uh, Dochi, which I probably said wrong, but it's being drunk on your own ideas. Uh, last month was Leave Behind Good Seeds, which is really, uh, guard your, you may know, or I have said it as Guard Your Legacy, and it's about uh, creating an example for posterity and leaving things Better than we found out for posterity, et cetera, et cetera. You can go listen to the replay. Uh, today, Mike is going to kick off with chapter five, which is Seek the Face of Honor. And if you're wondering where this is coming from, there's a book you can get on Amazon called The Master Key of Wisdom, and we are working directly from that book. And I will let uh, Mike explain what the book is and why we work from it, because he can explain it better than I can. Okay. Well, Again, it's great to see so many people on the call. And, yes, we are working through the master key. Now, this is coming from the Chungo, uh, which is basically a part of the Hanguk, uh, which is a Donghan uh, lineage. So that's a Torian Taoism. All right. And I had the opportunity as, uh, to train directly with the Grandmaster and to be an apprentice. And so the contents of this book, interestingly enough, is a, a summary of all of the root principles. Now, these root principles, will, there's like eight, but eight, there is no beginning and no end. So the root principles, it's like, well, there's only eight things. Yes, but they're kind of infinite. And the, the application is universal. So having an opportunity to live it and uh, basically become it or not be a part of it, that was pretty much how it was. It was pretty straight and harsh. It was... Uh, quite interesting then many years later for this book to come out and read it. It's like, oh my gosh, it's all right there and it's all so simplified. You know, decades of learning and just eight, you know, basic keys. And so I, I think it's a real a real treasure and it gives me an opportunity to summarize these teachings. But there is something to consider when we look at learning things like this. You know, the danger of a book is knowing it but not having an opportunity to become it. And an opportunity to become it is always more about process. It's more about going through it than, like, studying it. You know, it's like, again, studying the ingredients of a, a meal isn't going to provide you with any nourishment or no nutrition. You'll, you'll know all about it, but you'll still starve. So it's really a key piece in today's world where we live, you know, 
with so much information everywhere. I was thinking about this yesterday up at the ranch, and I was sweeping one of these barns out, and it made me remember uh, a long time ago when we just started as a beginning disciple, like Grandmaster, there was always, we were beginners, a lot of us, and really, really enthusiastic, and we all wanted an opportunity to become like, you know, exposure and connection and to be with the Grandmaster. And to do so, you had to qualify. There was all these qualifications. And yes, some of it was, in fact, remembering all of these teachings and remembering all of these formulas and these equations and all, you know, the oriental medicine and the forms and all of this stuff. It's quite intellectual. And some of us, you know, were really, really good, like scholarly minds. And, you know, some of us weren't. And I remember there was one of the apprentices who just really wasn't that good. He just didn't have an intellectual grasp of this stuff. And we knew Grandmaster was coming. And it was going to be a big opportunity to be around this Grandmaster, and maybe one of us will be chosen as an apprentice. And so, of course, everyone's brushing up and remembering all of these. There's all of these different teachings, you know, and let's say uh, sutra and all these things that you need to know and forms that you need to remember and do with perfection. And Well, this this poor guy wasn't really that great. I'm not going to use names, but he really wasn't good. You know, and so out of frustration, you know, some of our, the senior, you know, our masters and teachers were like, you know, how about this? Just hang out and help. How about that? You're not really going to be that great. You know, just sweep and clean up, you know, the anja, which is kind of like the ashram. And then, you know, maybe you can be around. And so that's what he do. First thing in the morning, he was up before everyone. He just swept. He wasn't great. He couldn't remember any of the stuff. His movement wasn't that good. He was by no means a scholar. You know, great. Well, finally, you know, but every day he was there, first thing in the morning and all day, just sleeping and, you know, casually gardening and just taking care of things. Meanwhile, we were all very proud and we knew all of our stuff. So finally, Grandmaster comes and everyone's standing tall and we're ready for this opportunity. And he comes in. And everybody's very serious. Now, this guy doesn't even stop sweeping. He doesn't even have the sense to realize he's in the presence of this grandmaster. And he's got this opportunity. And it's like, wow. We're like, oh, God, of course, there he is, sweeping. Well, we find, you know, grandmaster meets, talks to all of us. And now it's an opportunity to kind of, after hours, kind of hang out and maybe go for a walk and learn a little bit, you know, something deeper. And, well, he decides to take the individual that was sweeping. Joe, he takes Joe. We're like, Joe? Yeah. And the reason is Joe was clear. Joe had no uh, motives. Joe wasn't concerned, wasn't trying to do the right thing, wasn't trying to be, you know, well, look, I remember this, and look, I can sit and meditate. Look, nope. Joe was completely present. Joe became it by simply doing it. Didn't remember it. He was too busy being it. It was a weird moment because he was actually more enlightened, more qualified than all of us that remembered and had all of the skill. And Joe became the skill through action and really just through presence of mind. Not trying to scheme, not trying to learn it, not trying to impress anyone, not trying to be the smartest one in the room. And that's when I realized, it's like, well, it's ultimately not how hard I try, it's what I become. It's how present I am and how sincere I am. And that's ultimately going to, because this guy was completely, there was a complete absence of pensiveness. There was a complete absence of concern that the Grandmaster was even coming. He was just comfortable and pleasant. He, he was the mountain. 
Nothing moved him. He has he was not pretentious. He had nothing. He was just some sincere dude. And he he reached a very high level. Uh, no, he probably couldn't sit here and do a lecture. You know, he, he's not going to write a book. But the end result, he had clarity, he had tranquility, and he realized the constant. To see the constant is to see the mountain, to be the mountain. That piece of you that always has been, always will be, and never will change. And that doesn't all, I mean, yes, you can study this stuff, and it'll point you in that direction, but ultimately it's through tranquility and clarity that reveals the constant. It's through the tranquility and clarity that reveals the mountain. It's the part of you. It's always been you. You've always been here. It's always been now. Once you have that, all of this extraneous external stuff, recognition, uh, you know, wealth, uh, positions of power, the end of the day, that has a very little impact on that eternal consciousness, which is momentarily residing in your rotting flesh. And so self-mastery is revealed in, again, space between words, distance between thoughts, and then you're just left with pure awareness. And within that, that is the peace that never changes. Everything else changes. It's all wind, constantly moving, totally unstable, and completely impermanent. And so we all try very hard to become successful. And, yes, it does take a certain amount of resources, you know, so that you can put yourself in a position. I mean, this particular individual had the opportunity to live in a basically a cult compound. Most of us won't. You know, I was lucky enough to be in an environment that actually was a controlled space where we have to have the resources to create that space. It takes a lot of money to find God, if you will. And so, you know, great, but don't forget why we accumulate. The, the, the reason we're trying to accumulate abundance is so we're in choice and so that we can kind of like, if you will, check out and focus primarily on the cultivation of that mountain. But you can't if you're sitting there worrying about you know, paying a bill or feeding your children. So you must ascend the mundane before you can start to contemplate the Tao. But it's so easy to get lost in the rat race is, is really what one of the keys are. So as we, we look in this book, which is great, and we will we'll learn it, but a lot of the teaching, the real benefit is coming from going through the pro process and learning it as it applies to like right now, today, here, and your life situation. So if we look at this uh, Seeking the Face of Honor, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I encourage everyone to do so. Uh, I'll just provide some what I feel is, you know, relevant commentary. Uh, and again, I always say you look at determination, look at the calligraphy on the page, and that calligraphy was made by the, my grandmaster, and all of these uh, paintings, all this calligraphy, these scrolls were throughout, you know, our centers and throughout our studios and where we trained. And so they were constant reminders, you know, uh, master, grandmaster's words pointing to, you know, uh, the qualities we try to cultivate. So the fifth step of Mudo is to seek the face of honor. So I'll just read like the first little, you know, paragraph or two and then provide some commentary on the teachings. So honor means living in such a way that you pass on good seeds to your children and the coming generations. Honor means preserving the connection to the root, the source of enduring strength and vitality. Honor is driven by love, sustained through respect. 
Honor produces Chungdo fruits of harmony, balance, peace, and joy. Honor overcomes Pado, which is an animal instinct, forces uh, the Pado forces of greed, envy, selfishness, anger, and prejudice. These are the principles to follow to seek the face of honor. Now, the problem with an honorable person is they're not easy to manipulate. When you, you know, we, you can, if you have an agenda and you have people that actually are deeply rooted in their, their true sense, their, their true self, they can actually, through that tranquility and clarity, they have a strong relationship with the constants. Anybody that practices yoga, for example, at the end of your little yoga class, they say namaste, right? I'm sure a lot of you practice yoga. And so namaste, that's the light in me sees the light in you. Well, the light, it's the mountain. It's the same. It's that, that one dollop of eternal consciousness. It's actually the only thing worth anything about you. You know, not your name, not your stuff, not your body, not your memories. It's that eternal consciousness. It's the light, the light. And so in this case, the, you know, we're using the mountain because we're referring to that which is the most permanent. And so that's a, a really, you know, a powerful piece is cultivate that sense. And then once you have that sense, you're not easily manipulated. But if you can cut that away and basically move people into a sense of selfishness, prejudice, envy, greed, and materialism and divisiveness and all of the basically what we're up to our eyes in right now, it's much easier than to sway and control. It's easier to control Pado. It's impossible to control Chengdo. And so there's almost like your responsibility. We talk about guard. What are you guarding? That's what you're guarding. You're guarding your highest self, but you can't guard your highest self if you've never seen your highest self, if you've never had an opportunity in which you can forge your higher self. So you find yourself in one of two ways, and that is either through inspiration or desperation. Well, inspiration is kind of, you know, uh, like happiness or happenstance. Not that reliable. Desperation is, unfortunately. You know, heat and pressure changes things. And if you want to know what's inside something, you squeeze it. That's desperation. So a lot of times these practices will put you through the cauldron or the alchemy, as we talk. We talk about inner alchemy, which is basically going through a process in which you reveal your, the content of your character. If you want to know who someone is, well, you know, it's usually when times are tough, their true nature is revealed. And so the process in which you can reveal your nature first, so, so then you can kind of know your nature and then guard it. Because ultimately, especially as things continue to change in the world we live in, you know, developing that inner strength, if there's going to be, a, you know, people that prosper and survive and do very well in these coming times of difficulty, and, but however, most will not. And because there's, there's, there's no root, there's no connection. Uh, so if we talk about the central power behind honor is love, right? So we're talking about page 92. Well, it's not like I love you in the possessive Western stand, you know, like, oh, I love you, I want you, I need you, like, you know, rock and roll music. It's not like that. Talking about love in the form of uh, first step, you know, the, uh, let's say, regulation of the energy centers or chakras. So the first is pleasant, first chakra, the ability to experience pleasure 
because your body is balanced. You can sleep. You can shit. You can walk. You can function. If you can't, that's why we go through restorative and we train. If you can't, you really are always in a state of unease. No, no, no pleasure. Next chakra, there's, there's no peace. You're just this kind of like stirring ghost that's constantly ruminating and think, worrying about the future and lamenting the past. You're not dropping into peace because you're in a state of unease. And so no pleasure, no peace, no peace, no joy. Because you can't enjoy being you. You're not in joy in yourself. Only if you get those first three chakras balanced, which is the lower energy centers belonging to Pado, the animal nature of self. Those must be balanced. Only then will the fourth chakra light up or the fourth energy center in a manner in which it's not coming from a place of uh, desire, uh, a possession, and addiction. It's not that. You are now loving it. You are loving life, and you are experiencing love. The love isn't coming from something outside. Like, I love you, and you make me so happy. No, you are love. It's, I used to call it the illusion of I love you. can't love anyone more than you love yourself. You can't love any situation more than you love yourself. That's the mountain. That's the constant. So there's an equation, though, that first we balance so the body can experience this pleasure. That's why we do the Tao Yin and the Tao Yi and all these practices so the body functions. You can get off the floor. You can get up. You can move. Stand like a mountain. Flow like a river. Move like the wind. All of these things. Because even if you're extremely wealthy and you can't get out of your Lamborghini, you're broken. So that you're not loving it. You might have it, but you're a hungry ghost because you can't enjoy it. So all of this process is about earning your way into these and only then the central power behind honor is love. Because once you can experience and you love it, only then can you have compassion. I can't love you more than I love myself, which is what creates this problem, the absence of the mountain. So when we look at <clears throat> this next phase, which is the central fruits of honor, are, are harmony, balance, peace, and joy, which is I just explained to you. The central meaning of honor is to pass the good seeds on to these coming generations because, see, your kids won't remember what you give them. They remember the experiences they have with you. They won't remember the material you give them. They remember the feeling they had. You know, some of us weren't raised in the best homes, like a beautiful house. You said some crappy two-bedroom house in downtown, but your parents really loved you. And you had your best holidays and you had your best times, even though you didn't even know you were broke. It's because you weren't. You were extremely wealthy because you had that. And that, that's a very important piece. You know, some of us were lucky enough to have that. And that is, uh, you know, the central meaning of honor is to pass down the good seeds uh, to the next generation. So if you're that parent, you know, that, 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 the, the relative, uh, the teacher, you know what I mean? The, the, the mentor that gave the right type of experience. Usually it's the right connection. They can sense your compassion. Because once you have that compassion, which by the way is fifth chakra, fifth energy center, only then can you experience bliss. And bliss is basically now. We've heard, oh man, he's just blissed out. Meaning he's just hanging out, just enjoying, looking at the sunset, not you know looking at his phone for a text or anything. 
you're just dropped into total now. That's bliss. Then ecstasy is realizing that you're simply one part of the complete divine, and that would be the seventh chakra. These are formulaic steps that we go through for cultivation. So when we go through the concept of gray wolf, the concept of ascending the mountain, that's ultimately what we're working on, not some random self-help method, you know, that, hey, man, I just got this idea and I'm going to write a book on self-help. Oh, no, this is for Dong Han Daoist clan. That's 4,500-year-old method, and it's a Taoist clan, so it's formula. It's not based on faith. It's an equation that can be reproduced, you know, uh, deliberately over and over again. <clears throat> so uh, Ingan has one face, the face of honor. Finding your one true face is humanness at its root center. So humanness, Ingan, highest form of humanness, which means you're no longer on those lower energy centers. You can enjoy them all and you can do all of this stuff, but there's like this constant. Sure, things come and go and it's cool and you've got your new Mercedes and you've got your new home. And Yeah, but you're still the same. You still get up in the morning. You still chop wood and carry water. You don't get to the point where it's like, well, you know, now I'm successful, so I'm no longer going to meditate. I'm no longer going to take care of myself. I'm no longer going to connect with nature. I'm no longer going, you know, because I've made it. You never make it. It's a constant journey. There's a constant evolution of oneself. Even though you may, because I see it all the time, people go through these phases. No, now I stand for this. See, if you never find your roots, like we have, we live in a world now where God is dead. Okay? It was a Nietzsche. God is dead and we have killed him. What does that even mean? Well, we don't believe in anything more than materialism and nihilism. There is no constant. There are no values. Well, when you get rid of that, when you get rid of the Tao, when you get rid of the connection to source, you can call it God, you can call it Elvis, I don't care what you call it, but if you get rid of that, you're going to replace it with something horrific because you've got to believe in something. Now you're going to believe in some wacky pseudo-belief where everything is relative truth, and now you've got yourself an animalistic hell, which is pretty much where we live now, the, the absence of a root. So wherever you're blown, whatever belief, whatever my truth is, becomes the relative truth. There's no such thing as your truth. Your truth is bullshit. There's only the truth. And the truth is constant. The truth is the mountain. You know, your truth is I'm a fairy. Great. Jump off the mountain. See how you do. Your truth won't work out too well. The truth is no. You're ascending the mountain or you're falling off the damn mountain. That's it. And so we can try to come up with by removing universal principle or constant and try to replace it with our relative truth. But then what you create is nothing but chaos. And that's where we live now. You know, we're at a, almost an apex point here, which is great because the harder things get for us, the quicker opportunity there's going to be to wake up. No one reaches enlightenment when they win $10 million. They usually turn to shit. You can reach enlightenment, unfortunately, when your family is killed in a tornado. It can, like, just drop you to the point where the, the humility and the stripping away of all delusion. People usually reach a certain level of evolution spiritually uh, during times of great challenge. Well, we're in for times of great challenge. So it would be nice as opposed to dropping to your knees and asking God why. Well, you know why. That's one of the advantages. When I do stupid shit all the time and I suffer for it, but the difference is I know why. 
At least I'm in choice. At least I don't stumble around asking God why. I know why. I did something stupid. I did not adhere to the root principle. That's the struggle. That's the opportunity to be a human being. I've got free will. The only realm is the human realm in which you will possess free will. Not in the demigod or the saint realm or the god realm. No, you're not. And certainly not in the, uh, you know, animal realm, hungry ghost realm, demon realms, all those other realms. There's no free will. You get, you're, you, you, no. As a human being, you have free will. So you can always either climb the mountain or fall off the mountain. And so that's an interesting piece. <clears throat> so honor is the mountain. The mountain does not change. Find the mountain which is your constant. Once you have that, there's an inner confidence that will show up, even in the most extreme situations, because you know, you know, people sometimes will tell me, dude, you're just ridiculously confident. You know, it's like, what are you, delusional? You know, <laughs> it's like, well, no, it's just I kind of have an idea. Or don't I really, it's, to a certain degree, I don't care, because I know, you know, well, who I am uh, and where I'm going. Uh, and meaning like even after this game. And that creates a really strong center. So what has 10,000 faces and yet no face? Well, that's Kansu. That's the individual that operates on those lower chakras. Those are the individuals that basically what happens is if, if you don't cultivate yourself, you hate everything that has cultivated itself. You become very resentful. If you don't develop the discipline to go out and do your thing, you will insist that person has privilege. Oh, that was a privilege. They were privileged. No bullshit. No. Even if you come into a privileged situation and you don't maintain it, you lose it anyways. Your earning is maintaining. So if you don't go through the, the, the necessary discomfort of fostering oneself, you will hate everybody that does because they constantly remind you how much you suck. When you look at that person, they remind you that you suck because you didn't apply yourself. And who needs to see that? So how about this? Let's burn it down. Let's just go in there and rob it all because I can't afford it. I didn't uh, – and, and then you can argue, well, the poor thing. They didn't afford it because there was nobody there to pass it down. There has been no mountain. There's been no root for generations. So that child's born, and there's no constant. There's no structure. There's only relative truth. Well, of course they're going to burn things down and rob stores and you know, punch old ladies in the face. Why not? You got nothing else to lose. You lost everything. You're already dead. You're just too dumb to lie down. No mountain, no root, no constant. And so when you see this, I see it. I understand it. I, I kind of feel bad. Now, that doesn't mean I would ruthlessly eradicate it, but I wouldn't judge it. I have the right to kill you, but I don't have the right to judge you. As a matter of fact, I understand. I actually have compassion. But faster die, be better. You'll acquire less karma. So that's a whole other story. But that the mountain allows you to move with extreme, you know, a clarity and no apprehension. And that really matters when you're, uh, when you're, when you're staring down the Kansu, which is a human animal. Uh, masks live only for the presence. A face of honor lives, of course, forever. Meaning, again, it's all about, you know, uh, what looks good now, what's the right thing to say, what's politically correct, what's the correct, the coolest car. It has nothing to do with long-term, what's best. First, you know, for, of course, my long-term self, what promise am I making to me, the me that's 83? Yeah? We do seasons. So it's like, 
well, depending upon your age, if you're in your 30s, you're asking, what promise am I making for me at the age of 58? That's a promise you're making to yourself. You're, you're making sacrifice so that you're not in living hell at 58. Whatever your season's coming up, there's your promise. That's your, your, like your, your first commitment, you know. But if you don't have that, you just live for now, and you suffer like a son of a bitch tomorrow. So, and you can't even join now anyways because there's a pensiveness there anyways. So that usually you need to go into a certain level of addiction to drop into a level of unconsciousness so you don't have to look up at the guillotine. So that's not the mountain. You know, that's, that's, uh, uh, that's not what that is. With honor, without honor, there are no uh, true friends. With honor, friends are legion. And that's one of the benefits of establishing and I was taught that as a boy, you know, by my grandmaster. He's like, you're earning honor and you're earning right type memory and right type relationships by establishing what we refer to as a mudo line, which is how to relate to each other and care for each other and believe in the same root principles and be willing to sacrifice for them. Well, I have friends that, you know, I, other grandmasters and masters uh, that I've been around uh, since 1980. 1980. That's a long time ago. And there's still, I pick them up right now. I pick up the call. Actually, I talked to uh, Franco, who's a, a, a master teacher in New England. And it's like, you know, I talk to him every day, but I haven't. I haven't. I talked to him once this year. But these are people that you share the same root value. Loneliness. One out of five human beings. I was reading that this morning. So sad. One out of five Americans is lonely because there's no honor. There's no root. There's no deep connection. You know, that's why we do teams. Oh, but, but we're both, you know, I don't know, Diamondbacks fans. Yeah, that's what you stand for, a shitbag sport. Really? That, that's it? That's your connection? You both wear a stupid jersey? Shame on you. You stand for nothing. So it's like, yeah, share the same values. Get a good result from the same values. Be willing to sacrifice for the same values. Be willing to fight and die for the same values. Now you have a connection. And that's called URI. It's mind-to-mind connection. And once you experience Uri, you're never alone. And so we're fostering, you know, all of these, these values by developing this mountain. To be connected to the root is the principle of life. To be separate from the root is death, which goes back to now there you are again. Resentful, hateful, envious. You hate the world because you suck. You hate the world because everything that's beautiful is not you. So what do you want to do? You want to tear it down. The world is nothing more than a reminder that you suck. Of course. You know, that's, that's not cool at all. Now, once you start to foster yourself and you start to receive a certain level of, you know, truly earned success, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, well, then all of a sudden you can actually look at people that have succeeded and actually have an appreciation for it. Like when you look at, oh, wow, that guy went through a lot. You know, wow, that, she really earned that. That's amazing. Wow. I, can, I know because I've done things similar. And this, well, she nailed it. Well, then all of a sudden you're, you have way more compassion. And then all of a sudden you'll be around better people. Your resonance, your frequency rises. You know, there's a stability in the nature. The mountain remains the same. You lift others <clears throat> to the Chungdo level, through the power of respect. That's what I'm just saying. Because then you respect because you see it. It's like I can see 
the earning that went on. I can see it. You know, like, again, we talk about our within our lineage. You know, you want to talk to me about, oh, I know chi. Oh, I know qigong. Oh, I understand energy. But you can't stand in a horse position. You are not it. You understand it, but you're not it. I don't respect you. I don't respect what you know. I don't even respect what you have. I respect what you've become. And I respect what happens to the people around you. You know, a true master makes masters. Someone who's reached a high level, and you start to see, well, who do they hang out with? Well, all these people are pretty damn high level. Hmm. How many have they trained? How many people have they taken from, you know, base and help them reveal the mountain, help them reveal the constant? That's true master. And that's leaving on seeds. And that's leaving and creating, like, you know, very high level of wealth. <clears throat> go with destiny by changing your reality. Well, there you go again. So destiny is one's potential. Yeah. State is almost like a fatality. <laughs> so, all of you on this call, like when I see people, you know, yes, I know. I can look at your elemental constitution and understand if you have a propensity for damp spleen and all that crap based on the a wuxing, five-element theory, yin-yang, and the movement of chi through your meat suit. I can understand your intellect by the shape of your face. I get all of that. But there's, there, there's actually more, you know, to that, and that is basically – there's a destiny that everyone has. Everybody here is actually a master, a grand master, actually like the highest being, but they don't see it a lot of times. They don't see the light in them. I'm usually far more impressed with the apprentice than they are because they don't know. They don't do it. They don't, they've never done it. But you can see, you know, if you can see the God in you, you can see the God in everyone. So when you look at that person and it's like, well, no, I see the humanity of it. I see the potentiality of it. It's just, it's like this light. We say Po in the system. Po belongs to metal, large intestine. Uh, it's the most, the slowest moving vibration. Po also belongs to shit. <laughs> so basically your light covered in shit, basically. How, how do you like that? Which is really true. It's, it's, it's rotting and it's impermanent. But there's light in there. Don't look at the, the shell. Look at the light. So once you've seen the light in yourself, you just see the light in everyone. You see the destiny. You see their potential. It's like this right here has a lot of potential. But they don't know because they haven't done it yet. So it's your job once you reach a certain level of, you know, self-mastery to see the master in everyone. You know, I teach meditation regularly, and it's funny because when I ask people, you know, who here hesitates? You know, like everyone she, uh, raises their hand sheepishly. And I'm like, okay. Uh, you know, so how do you, I'm like, you know, I do, but I kind of suck and I'm, it's hard. And I'm like, well, no, no, you're all meditation masters. It's just you don't know it. Anytime that you drop into now, you're meditating. Anytime that you went to the coffee shop and talked to a friend and looked at your watch and said, holy shit, I'm late, that was meditation. You meditate all the time. You're just a rando. You don't know it. Anytime you get into the zone, anytime you play your instrument, anytime you, you work your craft, anytime you connect to now, you're meditating. We're all meditation masters. Just we don't know it. So it's your job to find that master in you and see it in everyone. 
to help them reveal their destiny, which is then leaving on your right seat. That's your honor. And so that's a, a very, very important piece. If you, if you can get that, people will sense it in you. You know, I have, uh, I build too. I'm not a, you know, I'm always, yes, Nick, you know, we're always doing crazy uh, real estate things and we do all kinds of stuff. And so I'm dealing with contractors all the time. And what will happen is, whether I like it or not, and I try, I just show up my truck and my boots and I got my plans in my hands and I don't carry on about all this crap. You know, I'm just trying to get a goddamn foundation for it. doesn't take long, though. I had one guy call me today, my concrete guy. He's like, you know, sir, I was wondering, you know, this isn't about the job, but can you, can you, uh, can you give me some advice? My, my dad, my dad, I got into this deal with my dad and he, he you know, I charged him for the thing, but he wants the money back. Um, so he's asking me, because he figures, based on how I'm talking to him and how I'm dealing with everyone, I can probably give him advice on that. And, of course, I did. I said, never take money from your dad. Your dad's always right. He'll be dead longer than he's alive. And always honor your parents for right, wrong, or indifference. I gave him a whole spiel, and then I told him, you better get that uh, quarter minus out on the job site before the day's out. But people catch it. You can't hide. They'll know. They'll see them out, no matter how many clouds are in front of it. No much snow is on top of it. No much how dark it is that night. They'll see the mountain. Be the mountain, and everything around you will prosper. And so that's to me, you know, and all of this stuff. My grandmaster told me, the little boy in this book, told me uh, when I was a boy. And I can be honest with you, I didn't believe him. It seemed to, I don't know, Kwai Chain Kang, you know, the Kung Fu series. Like, yeah, I don't know. I just want to learn cool martial arts. But I'll tell you, I always say my grandmaster, Grandmaster Kim was right. I'm going to write a book, Grandmaster Kim was right, and go into all of that stuff. So that is my drive-by. Now, I know we can talk about this chapter. And what my grandmaster used to do is he would just come in when we'd stay with him or he'd come into our the Anja, you know, for whatever, the week, the month. And there'd be a theme. Because he'd look, first day, he wouldn't say much. He'd just hang out. We'd eat Korean food and just go out, maybe go out to the beach, and he'd just kind of watch. And then he'd do his inventory. And then he'd see which of these eight principles are we the most, you know, corrupt, you know, the most out to lunch on. And then the whole trip, the whole visit, the whole experience would just be reinforcing how basically you're not adhering to it. And it wasn't taught in a – it was taught in a really harsh way. It was a Mudo line. It was pretty harsh, pretty straight. It wasn't, let's talk about compassion. That wasn't the energy. You either understand it, you adhere to it, or you're taking advantage of your own life, your own situation, and your opportunity. So you should leave. You either make a commitment to your personal evolution or step out. That's what he would say. Step out. Just get out. You don't belong here. And that was it. And so we would hang out. And it'd be all fun and games, and then all of a sudden, oh, man, it wouldn't take long to realize, you know, what the key, if you will, collective violation and principle was. Because in everything, all of our actions, all of our behaviors, all of our results would point to the violation of one of these eight principles. And it was like that for years. You just didn't know because you're just too busy being an imbecile. So by the time he showed up, it would be reality check. Let's take a look. It was pretty wild, pretty fun actually kind of horrible and very painful and most of us quit i'll be honest with you so there you go um any questions 
if you have any questions, please hit, I think it's, uh, let's see, star two. You can raise your hand and I'd be happy to uh, provide some commentary. And if not, I understand completely. Nothing. All right. Hey, Nick, um, you're on, sir. Hey, you can hear me? I can. Fantastic. All right. So. Uh, if you haven't uh, been exposed to Mike yet, uh, that's Mike. And you know, when I when I first met Mike, we uh, we were actually climbing. So he, you know, he re refers to the mountain frequently. And there's actually multiple mountains uh, up where we hang out in Arizona. And I met Mike climbing one, and I heard some of these stories. And for me, uh, it was like, wow, you had a grandmaster. That would be cool. Like what? Like, it'd be so cool to be able to be a fly on the wall and participate. And uh, over the next couple of weeks and months, Mike actually became my grandmaster. And so my thought is, and I think this all the time, man, it would be really great to expose the people that are like me to this experience. Right? So we talk about, like, becoming instead of just knowing stuff uh and if, if you're here and you know me, then you know that I'm a big fan of uh, exposure, proximity, and access to the, the right people, places, and things. And so uh, Mike's my grandmaster, and many of you have been exposed to him and Jason Campbell, his partner, who is also, you know, he does a lot of our breath work and stuff like that. And what we have up in Arizona, collectively, is a place where we work. Uh, Mike referred to, he was actually at the ranch. That is where we work. Uh, sit in a horse stamp, swing a sword, climb a mountain, do the breath work, et cetera, et cetera. There's a separate place that you guys may never know about where uh, it's where you go to relax. That's like, hey, we're, we're chilling. And there is a third location. And that third location is where we go to have fun. We call it the party. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, for, for all the seriousness, you could hang out or listen to Mike and, and think, man, this guy's really serious. Uh, obviously he's passionate about what he does teaching others, but we do have fun and we have a lot of fun. And on November 17th, we're going to go to that fun location. And if you are still here, then I'm inviting you to come along. Uh, we will bust and or ride up together just to keep everybody safe. Uh, if you really want to try and do it on your own, then we can't stop you. But we're going to meet at a location in Tempe, Arizona. Uh, we're going to ride up together, and we're going to see this place, and we're going to have a great time. And it is the grand reopening of this place. And for those of you that don't know, I'll just tell you uh, Joe Polish, a partner of ours, bought a town called Cleeter, Arizona, and they've put a ton of t time, effort, money into making it an amazing experience. And uh, we will be the first, if you come with us, we'll be the first to experience the new Cleeter. And that's where we have fun. They have a little yacht club, and obviously there will be some incredible people there, and we're just going to hang out, have a great time, spend some time with Mike, probably learn some lessons, you know, learn how to do less dumb shit, you know, do dumb shit less frequently. And here's what you have to do if you want to participate. If you were invited here via email, just reply to that email and let me know. If you were, if you saw this post somewhere, 
put a comment on the post and let me know. If you have my contact information, social media, Instagram, Facebook, text message, just reach out and let me know. It's November 17th. It'll be all day. We'll go up there probably sometime around 10 or 11 a.m. We'll come back before it's dark, and then we have uh, two days of masterminding for guardians um, after that. So that's all you have to do. You just have to reach out and you have to let me know ASAP. Uh, we do need a head count, so let me know. We'll get you on the list as an RSVP so that there's room for you to go up there. And we're going to spend time with Mike. We're going to spend time with Jason. We're going to spend time. You guys are going to spend time with each other. And uh, I've been I've been up there one time. I've been up there twice. That some of you uh, were with me the second time. Before all of this work is done, I've seen photos. I've seen videos. It's incredible. And so I encourage you, if you think there's a chance that you might be available, reach out to me. We'll talk about it. We'll see if it makes sense. And uh, let me know, too, that you are here live so that I can, uh, I will bump you up above others if we run into capacity issues. I think that's it. Well, excellent. Hey, it's great to see so many people on the call. I look forward to meeting you. So when we're at one of these little events, please, you know, just come by and say hi. And as always, until then, be well. <laughs>